this morning here at New Promise Church to worship our Lord Jesus in spirit and in truth. I'm Pastor Rory Gruders. I get the privilege of being the pastor here at MPC, and we're so delighted that you've joined us this morning. If you're visiting in person this morning as you came in, you would have seen out at the welcome desk and the seat back pockets in front of you uh, our connection cards. And if this is your first time or one of your first times here this morning, if you just want to take that card and if you would just fill out maybe your first name and give us your email address, we would love to send you an email Monday or Tuesday this week just to say thank you for being here this morning. And we so hope that you feel the love of God and Jesus Christ through the music, through the message in a few minutes, but most importantly, from the people on your right and on your le left, like great guys like these. Thank you guys so much. Um, and on the back side of the connection card is an all-play side. It's where we have our prayer requests and our praise reports. And so if you have a prayer request, if you've got something you need God to do in your life or in a loved one's life, a friend's life, something like that, if you would just fill that out, we would love to pray with you and then just put it in the offering boxes as you leave this morning. We absolutely will pray with you about that. We had a, a couple of people a few weeks ago say, Pastor, the boxes need to be bigger because I've got so much that I need to pray for and need to have God to do and everything. And, and I, I said, well, you're just going to have to be brief. We just need nouns and verbs in the boxes. They're as big as we can make them And God knows the details anyway So just, you know, right in there My sister needs healing My friend needs salvation Something like that And uh, we definitely will pray with you about that But also, because on the back side of that card Is our praise report section If you've got something that God has done in you In your life that's just great and wonderful God's word says to praise God among his people For the great work that he's done We want to read that too And we want to celebrate with you too And so so if you've got a praise report, please write that down too and put it in the offering boxes as you leave this morning, and we'd love to celebrate with you as well. Now, if you were online yesterday, you probably saw the Franklin Graham 2020 Prayer March on Washington, D.C. that uh, Karen and Mariah and I, we were a part of, along with uh, Bob and Bonnie Santos. We went out there for it. Awesome event. There is easily 100 to 150,000 people in attendance there. Started at the Lincoln Memorial, and then we just kind of fanned out from the Lincoln to the Capitol, all over the mall, praying in six or seven different stations for different things. And it's all positive stuff, all positive, encouraging stuff. We need God's blessings. We need his presence. We need his healing in our land. And uh, it was a, a great event to be a part of. And it reminded me, watching how everybody just kind of fanned out, how God's people, the prayer of God's people, needs to fan out all across this nation. From the west coast to the east coast, from the northern border to the southern border, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their sins, that God will hear from heaven and he will heal their land. And we need healing in our land. And so I'm encouraged about what we're going to be announcing after the message this morning about 37 days of fasting and prayer here at New Promise Church. And uh, some of you probably already saw the pictures that uh, we posted yesterday as we were driving home. Uh, we're compiling a video together. I want to get them to Brittany and have her put it together really nice. And we'll have a brief 
video to show all of you next week in church uh, about the event yesterday. But I got to be careful because I could start going on and on. The, the event was so awesome and everything, and I don't want to chew into Pastor Nick's time. Uh, so if you would please take your Bibles here or there at home and turn them to James chapter 3. And would you pr please welcome our student ministries pastor, Pastor Nick Everett, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Rory, I was actually kind of banking on you cutting into some of my time. I only prepared like a five-minute lesson. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but thank you for that introduction. Let's open in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful things that are going on in our church and in our country. Lord, I thank you for the thousands of people who came out uh, to, to march in Washington this weekend. Lord, I pray that you bless everyone who gave of their time to do that. Lord, I just pray that you use that moment in time and, and really just let it echo over and over and over again throughout our country. Bless our country. Bring us back together as a nation, Lord, and let us set our focus on you. Lord, this morning I pray that you, you help me as I'm about to preach. Lord, I just pray that you bless my tongue as I'm talking about taming the tongue. Lord, just pr I pray that you use me, use me this morning, and I pray that you soften the hearts of, of everybody listening today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start off a little weird because I am a student uh, ministry director. Uh, so uh, what is your favorite household chore? Uh, it, it just yell it out if, if you have one. Um, mowing the lawn. I love mowing the lawn. Yeah, mowing the lawn. Anybody, anybody got a different one? First service, we had somebody who liked to do laundry. It was really weird. Um, <laughs> what's that, Kathy? You like to do laundry? I, it's my least favorite thing to do. Uh, and that's probably why I don't do it, right, Britt? Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> uh, I get yelled at on a daily basis about laundry. Uh, but I also am very bad at getting it where it's supposed to go. Um, so yeah, anyway, my favorite chore growing up was taking out the trash. Uh, and I, I know most of you out there are thinking like, that's, that's just like, first off, it's one of the easier chores you can do. You just kind of like bag up the garbage, put another bag in, carry it out to the can. But where I grew up uh, in Dalton, Ohio, which is about an hour south of here, we were surrounded by farms. We weren't farmers ourselves, but we lived back uh, off the road. We had farmland in front of us and to both sides and behind our house we had a big woods acres and acres of woods uh, and so we didn't have like the garbage cans that you could wheel to the end of the road because our road was about a quarter of a mile long so what we had was we had these big metal bins that we'd put our trash in and when we had enough trash in there we would set it on fire probably not the most eco-friendly way to get rid of your garbage but you know it worked um, me and my brother, this was our task, but it was something that I was not allowed to do until I was probably like 10 or 11. They didn't give me like the, the lighter to go out and burn the trash until I was 10 or 11. And I remember the, the first day that I got to do this task, this chore, and, and got to burn the garbage. Before this point, I used to carry it out and my brother would burn it some other time during the week. He's four years older than me. Uh, but this time I got to burn it. So I go out there, 
like they're in these plastic bags so you have to like rip open the plastic bag you have to find some paper that we threw away you light that on fire you hope everything else lights up um, but it was it, it was a joy for me as an 11 year old to get to do this this chore and and for me the first three months of doing that was like the coolest thing ever but like everything else after you do something over and over again, it becomes just a normal chore. But I really liked fire, so I'm sitting there one day, I'm like, this is kind of boring, I've got my lighter, I was like, what else burns? So I'm looking around, I get a, I get a small pile of leaves, like a really small pile of leaves, and I, and I light it on fire, I'm like, that's cool, I was able to put that out. But I'm looking at the house, and I, and I know my mom can see me, and I'm not supposed to be burning anything other than the garbage. So I'm like, oh, where can I go to make a bigger pile of leaves that she's not going to see me? And of course, I've got open fields on all sides, except for the woods behind me. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go out in the woods. There's lots of dry leaves out there, some sticks. I can make myself like a little bonfire. So I take my rake and my lighter, and I go out into the woods about 20 feet behind our uh, garage. And my dad was a milk truck driver, so we have this like giant garage that he could park three milk trucks in. And I'm behind this, far out of view of my mom, uh, because I know she would disapprove of me starting a fire, especially in the woods, uh, for good reason, now that I look back on it, very good reason, uh, I shouldn't have been doing that. But I make my little pile, I rake it up into a pile, and out there it's, it's dry, and there's probably like three or four inches worth of dead like leaves and pine needles and everything on the ground. So I make a pile, and I light it on fire, and it's going, and it's going, it's getting bigger. I'm like, this is, this is pretty cool. It's getting bigger. Uh, this is getting a little like, okay. Uh, and then it gets bigger. And I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. I didn't bring water. I didn't, that would have been a good thing to bring, like a big bucket of water. But all I have is my rake. So the genius that I am. I pick up my rake and I go, okay, I'll just, I'll just smash it and it'll go out. I'll just hit it a couple times and it'll go out. So I take my rake and I start hitting this pile of burning leaves. And when you bring a rake down, I don't know if you've ever done this before, if you bring a rake down on a pile of burning leaves, it doesn't just go out like you might think it would. Instead, the air from the rake as it comes down shoots leaves in different directions. So now, instead of having one big pile of burning leaves, I now have six different piles of burning leaves. And I'm freaking out. I just, I started with this very small spark, this very small spark and a little bit of kindling, and now I have something that I cannot control. I have six different fires starting to burn in different directions, and I have no idea what to do. So I, I, I was smart enough to know that I needed to run into the house and I needed to tell my mom what I did. And I would deal with the repercussions afterwards, but my mom is a wonderful person. Hi, mom, if you're watching on the live stream. Um, and, and luckily, she knew what to do. Uh, she made me call the fire department the first time I got to call the fire department. It was not an enjoyable experience. Um, and we lived probably eight miles out of town, so it only took them about 15 minutes to get there. But in that time, the fire was starting to spread towards the garage uh, and so my mom, being the brilliant lady that she is, she took the rake and she raked everything away from the garage as it was getting closer. So she kept everything away from the garage and luckily the fire department showed up and they were able to put out the entire fire. 
But that day, I learned something. I learned that a very small spark could start a very big fire. And today, thanks for staying with me, today we're going to be looking at taming the tongue. And the Bible says, James says in chapter 3, that the tongue is like a fire, like a very small spark that can set an entire woods ablaze. The tongue is one of the smaller body, the organs in the body. It's about 65 grams on average, which in comparison to the rest of the body is fairly small. But God saw fit to put it behind a double jailer, the lips and the teeth. So there's two things stopping your tongue from getting out and saying things. Um, and we don't use them enough. <laughs> so why is this small two to three inch skeletal muscle covered in mucous membrane so dangerous, so lethal? Is it its location? Uh, recent research has revealed that there are few places more infested with harmful bacteria than the human mouth. More than 100 million microscopic critters live there. Fungus grows in the oral cavities. In 1999, Medical Press Corps News Service uh, reported a study led by Dr. David Relliman, and, and it found evidence to 37 different bacterias that were not found anywhere else. Completely new to science. And another doctor said, that, I, I, get, I understand that. It's not a really big surprise. There are things that will grow in the human mouth that they cannot reproduce growing in a lab. Um, now I'm not just saying that to scare you. I'm not just saying that so you go home, brush your teeth, and have good oral hygiene. That's good. Uh, but it's not a pretty picture. Sorry. Um, it's not a pretty picture. Mouths have viruses that cause disease. The top of the tongue is the main breeding ground for bacteria in the mouth that attack the teeth and gums. However, as interesting as all of that is, or scary as all that is, the problem is not the tongue's physical location, but, it's, but it is its spiritual connection. In terms of spiritual anatomy, the tongue is directly wed to our heart. And it is the heart that motivates and manipulates the tongue for good and for evil, to bless and to curse. Jesus understood this very well. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment with every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. James also has a fascination with the tongue. He talks about it in each of his five chapters of his letter. His most detailed treatment is in James chapter 3, which we'll be looking at today. James knew that the tongue was a tattletale that tells the heart and discloses who a real person is. In fact, Scripture variously describes the tongue as these things. Listen to this list. Wicked, deceitful, perverse, filthy, corrupt, flattering, slanderous, gossiping, blasphemous, foolish, boasting, complaining, cursing, sensual, and vile. And that's not even an exhaustive list found in Scripture. The tongue possesses unspeakable power. Proverbs 18.21 teaches us the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat eat its fruit. So what lessons do we want to learn from James today? 
I think that when we look at James chapter 3, we can, we can pull out six key principles that I wanna, want us to carefully consider today. The first one is that the tongue tests our teachers. Verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. I'm going to peace out. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'll stay up here. I'll be judged a little bit more harshly. It's okay. Uh, as it's amazing when you, when you think about the context James is coming from. When you look at uh, how uh, highly they placed rabbis in their society, the Jewish synagogue, it was, it was natural that the early church would honor the office of teacher so highly. But also, with that honor comes a great responsibility. It, uh, in, in my research, I, I come across this, this random tidbit of information. But if a person's parents and their rabbi was captured in a battle, and there was a time for them to ransom either the parents or the rabbi, it was proper for the people to ransom the rabbi first and then the parents. That's kind of cool. But that's how highly James is putting teachers. It is a weighty assignment uh, to be called by God to teach his word, whether it be in public ministry or behind a, a pulpit to thousands like Franklin Graham, who speaks to millions of people, or whether it's in each of our own homes, when we're teaching our kids, when we're instilling them with scripture verses and how to live their lives and that wisdom, the stakes are high. Eternity looks over one shoulder and the Lord Jesus over the other. It is a great honor to teach the word. It is, in one sense, however, an unbearable mission for which no one person is sufficient. John Piper captures the gravity of the situation when he writes this, All genuine preaching is rooted in a feeling of desperation. You wake up on Sunday morning and you can smell the smoke of hell on one side and feel the cool, crisp breeze of heaven on the other. You go to your study, you look down at your pitiful manuscript, and you kneel down and cry, God, this is so weak. Who do I think that I am? What audacity to think that in three hours my words will be the odor of death to death and the fragrance of life to life. My God, who is sufficient for these things? My brothers, let not many of you become teachers. As teachers, we must be careful with our mouths. As teachers, we must be mindful of our motives. The second thing that we find in James uh, chapter 3 is the tongue measures our maturity. James now moves to speak not just to teachers, but to everyone, including himself. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Stumble is in the present tense and means that the sin um, or, or offense in many ways refers not just to the number of sins, but also the variety of sins. Many ways, uh, sorry. In other words, we all sin in many ways and in many different times. His statement was proverbial in the ancient world. It carried the weight of an indisputable principle drawn from practical life. It is universally evident. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. We all show the signs and the debilitating effects that sin has in our lives. So when we make those, we, we fall short, we also pay for what we've fallen short for. James affirms if one could simply avoid stumbling in words, he would be a perfect person, a truly mature man, able to control indeed his entire body. 
The activity we find the most difficult to control is our speech. Words have a way of slipping right off of our tongue and out of our mouth before we can close our mouth to stop them. I'm sure all of you have probably experienced this as I do on a regular basis where you say something and as soon as you've said it, you immediately wish that you could take it back. You immediately wish you could catch those words out of the air, bring them back, and say something completely different, something that's encouraging, something that's uplifting, especially when you're talking to your children, to your wife, to your best friend, uh, whoever it is. You say something, and then as soon as you say it, you realize, that was poison. What I just said was poison. And today we live in a, in a society where so much of that can be put online for everybody to see. It used to be that you would say something, and the people that heard it heard it, but now you can write something online and it can be just as devastating, just as full of poison. And not only the person you said it to sees it, but the entire, all of your friends on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And it's out there and it's, it's hard to get rid of that. Proverbs 26.7 says, Like the leg of the lamb that hangs limp is a proverb of, in the mouth of a fool. And Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Sinning in our speech is easy. It's not hard. We can do it on a daily basis. If we could just muzzle our mouth and tame our tongue, everything else could be simple in comparison. Only the, spiritual mature, only the spiritually mature can control their tongue. It is an unmistakable evidence of the grace and good works that God is doing in our life if we can control our tongue. 1 Peter 1.21 says, it reminds us, though through him you believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Think about this. When you go to the doctor, what's one of the first things they have you do? They have you open up your mouth and they use one of those tongue depressors. I couldn't think of the word in the first service. Somebody had to help me out. But they use a tongue depressor. They look in your mouth. They look at your tongue. There's so many different things that you, they can learn by just by looking at your tongue. You don't even have to take somebody's temperature. If, if, uh, if you see that the tongue is coated, uh, they probably have a fever. Uh, if it's yellowish, your di digestive system might be out of sorts. There's all kinds of different things that they can, um, they can, they can see by just looking at your tongue. Simply by an examination, we learn quite a bit about a person's spiritual condition as well. Justin Martyr, an early church father, an apologist, wrote, By examining the tongue of a patient, physicians find out diseases of the body, philosophers find out diseases of the mind, and Christians can find out the diseases of the soul. This brings us to our third point. The tongue determines our direction. Chapter 3, verse 3 says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a, salt, a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, 
and itself is set on fire by hell. So James here, he jumps into a, a couple illustrations that I think are really good for understanding how the tongue moves us in one direction or another, and it steers us. The first illustration he uses is that of a horse. Now, I, I don't know a lot about horses, but I know that they are a rather large creature. They're about a half a ton. <clears throat> but I also know that there are 10-year-olds who ride them in competitions. They make these, these little thing called a, a bridle that you put into a horse's mouth, and you're able, with that bridle, to steer them to the right or to the left. You're able to control where they go, and you're able to tame that animal just with that small thing. Likewise, consider the, the large ship. Even in the midst of fierce winds, uh, you're able to control where that ship goes back and forth. Um, the rudder is able to control the entire ship. A bit will direct the actions of the horse, though it is quite small in comparison to the great beast. Uh, a rudder will determine the direction of the ship in spite of its insignificant size in comparison to the great sea vessel. Likewise, the tongue will direct our actions and determine the direction of the entire body, despite the fact that it is one of the smaller parts of our person. Our life is destined to go in one direction or the other. We're either going to go towards good or towards evil. The activity of your tongue is certain to be a determining factor. Indeed, the right word at the right time can open up doors in ministry like none other. But the wrong word at pretty much any time will close doors extremely fast. And I'm sure everybody out here has experienced that. When you open up a conversation with a stranger, if, if, if your words are pure and, you, and you're speaking well of others and you're not ripping anybody down, they're going to see you in a different light than if, if the first time you interact with somebody, you're talking bad about your neighbor. You're talking bad about someone down your street. You're talking bad about someone who lives in your household, your children, your wife. And that's going to shut a door that could have been opened by a positive word. Because there's enough negativity out in the world right now. We can find it. If, if you want to go out there and find it, you can. But if someone comes into contact with you and you are a force of positive speech and uplifting the people around you, then you're going to be someone that people want to be around. You have something that people want. They'll see Christ mirrored through you. The fourth thing that we're going to come to is the tongue is a fire. We'll read verse 5 through 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. James now compares the tongue specifically in its smallness, to the bridle and rudder. First he notes that the little member boasts continually. That's present tense, great things. The tongue is powerful, and it vainly boasts of its might. This echoes to Psalm 73, verse 9. Their tongue struts through the earth. And now here he introduces the most striking imagery in the section of Scripture. The tongue as fire. We've all seen fire. We all know what the destructive capability of fire is. Right now, we have an entire state that's on fire in California. Like, you can't go outside without seeing the destructive nature of what fire can do. It's a little harder sometimes to see the destructive nature of what the tongue can do. 
Here he inter- oh, sorry, verse 6 may be the most severe statement in all of Scripture concerning evil destruction that may leap from the tongue. James identifies aspects of the tongue's danger. First, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue is set on fire by hell. The words translated here for hell is Gehenna. And this only occurs in the New Testament in the book of James and also in the Gospels. And it refers to a, a literal place, um, the Mount of Hinna, where they used to have child sacrifices, where pagans would take children and sacrifice them. It was also the place where you took the dead to, to burn them on the side of a hill. It, it was a place littered with garbage. It was pretty much, if you can envision the worst place on earth to the early Jewish Christians, this was it. This hill was it. Uh, they say that it was basically for Satan and demons. The tongue is, can be a tool used by the devil. He's well trained at using our tongues to destroy others whenever we make it available to him. He is delighted to master it for his destructive goals. Proverbs sixteen twenty seven reminds us, An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. Proverbs 26 adds, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and when there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is burning coals and wood is to fire, so is continuous man to kindle strife. That brings us to our fifth point. The tongue reveals our rebellion. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are able to be tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's James 7 through 8. James now adds the idea of an untamable characteristic to the tongue. I'm like twisting my own tongue up here. It's very untamable. He adds this idea of the, the tongue being untamable. And then he cites four different types of animals. Uh, animals, uh, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures. And he says, we can tame all of these. There's not a creature out there that God has not given us dominion over. If we look back to Genesis 1.26, God has given us dominion over the animals. We are able to tame them. We are able to break them to our will. We use them in farming. We use them to get around. Uh, we, we have them as pets, domestic pets. Um, and he's saying some of these animals can be really hard to tame. I have to imagine that taming a lion is not an easy task. I have to imagine training a falcon or, or a bird to, to fly messages or hunt for you is not an easy thing to do. But we're able to do that as human beings. But James says the one beast that we're not able to tame is our tongue. Several things should be noted about verse 8. The word tongue actually occurs first in the verse for emphasis and contrast with verse 7. No, and, and two, no man, no human is capable of taming the tongue. Though not stated, uh, it is possible that what man cannot do, God can do. So while we cannot tame our tongue on our own, we can with the help of God. But it's a constant. It's a constant going back and forth with God. It's a constantness of being in prayer and being in fasting and being very aware of what our words are doing, what our words are saying, uh, and, and who we're building up and who we're tearing down. It also says it is the tongue, it is full of death bearing poison, a venom more deadly than that of a cobra, a toxin more lethal than cyanide, 
The tongue is a murdering assassinate, a murderer, assassinating a person's character, destroying their tender fabric that holds them together. Think about this in a marriage. Um, the words that you speak to one another are the words, are, are what you're putting in your system. And when those things are poisoned, you can only be poisoned so long before you die. Psalms 140 says, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Uh, there's a man named Steve Stevenson, uh, and he drives home the importance in one of his books, in his words on marriage. He writes, there is nothing more painful than having an unhealthy communication with the one you love. It is through communication that we connect and our spirits touch. If that connection becomes contaminated, it is only a matter of time before the whole relationship is poisoned. He gathered together some of his close friends and asked them what not to say to your spouse. And here's the list that they came up with. I told you so. I, we're all guilty of saying that one at least once or twice. You're always in a bad mood. It's your fault, not mine. What is wrong with you? All you ever do is complain. I just can't do anything to please you. You're just like your mother. So that's actually a compliment in our house. It's not, a, it's not a negative, but I know it's a negative in a lot of your houses. Melanie Austin, if you're watching, you are wonderful, and I love having you as a mother-in-law. Um, so some of the other things that, that he has listed here. You get what you deserve. Why don't you ever listen to me? Can't you be more responsible? What were you thinking? You're impossible. I don't know why I put up with you. I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face and it just doesn't do any good. You deserve a taste of your own medicine. What is your problem? I can never understand you. Do you always have to be right? These are things that if we say them over and over and over again in our marriages, it's going to poison them. If we say these kind of things over and over again to our children, it's going to poison that relationship to our friends, to our family. Words reveal our rebellion. Words can wreck a marriage. It can end a friendship. It can hurt our children and parents. Words can be full of, de full of deadly poison. And number six, the tongue compromises our confession. Starting in verse nine, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James concludes his argument by noting these, this list of inconsistent things. Obviously, salt water out of a salt water spring is not going to be fresh water. You're not going to be able to just pick it up and drink it. Obviously, a grapevine is not going to all of a sudden start producing olives. And a fig tree is not going to start producing grapes. These are things that, that shouldn't be. On the one hand, we use our tongues well and we bless the Lord, our Father. And then we turn around and curse men who are made in the likeness of God. Amazingly, blessings and curses can come out of the same mouth. Even though a fig tree cannot grow olives, even though a freshwater spring won't produce salt water, or a saltwater spring won't produce fresh water, us as Christians, 
we profess our love for Christ, and yet we are still able to produce that deadly poison to our brothers and sisters. James says this should not be so. Such, inconsistent, such inconsistency compromises our confession. And in the family, it would scar, it, it can scar our children. Have you ever stopped to think about what it's like to be a child? We have three little small boys, and sometimes I try to put myself in their mind when they're trying to make their decisions, and I would love to know what's going on in their mind. But can you imagine what it might be like to be developing, and you hear, hopefully you hear these kind of things from your parents. I love you. I'm so proud of you. I thank God he gave you to me. We love you. We're so proud of you. But the same mouth that can say those wonderful things to our kids can also say awful things. They can say things like, shut up. Put that down. I don't care what you're doing. Come here now. I've been guilty of this one a lot. Me and Britt had a conversation the other day. We have to stop saying that. We have to stop tell, telling our kids, I don't care what you're doing. Come here now. I know I've said it. But in their mind, what do they hear? They, they hear me or, or my wife saying, I don't care about what you're doing. And what they're doing to them as a, as a three-year-old might be the most important thing like in their day. Is I'm playing with this toy. It's so important. Oh, mom doesn't care. Dad doesn't care. I can't imagine what it's like to go... And for us, obviously, we don't mean it like that. But that's, that's the way our kids might be able to hear it. But if we're constantly saying positive words, rebuking when we need to rebuke, but lifting up, encouraging, building up, and not tearing down, and very carefully choosing our words, it's not an easy thing to do, and it's something that we have to ask God for help with every day. And that starts in prayer. John Trent tells a story of the first time a father took his little girl out for a daddy date. After getting their pancakes at the restaurant, the dad decided that it would be a good time to tell her how much he loved and appreciated her. He said, Jenny, I want you to know how much I love you and how special you are to mom and me. We prayed for you for years. And now that you're here and growing up to be such a wonderful girl, we couldn't be more proud of you. Once he said all this, he stopped talking and reached for his fork to begin eating, but he never got his fork to his mouth. Jenny looked at him and said, Daddy, more. Daddy, more. She wanted to hear more and more words of affirmation from her loving father. I feel that way sometimes when I'm talking to God. I want to hear those, those loving words of affirmation from my father. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. She said, Long, uh, more, Dad, more, more, Daddy, more. He put down his fork, and for some reason, um, he just continued to love and appreciate her with words. Uh, a second time, and a, th a third time, and a fourth time, uh, she kept saying that. Every time he tried to pick up his fork, she kept asking for more. L days later, she ran up to her mom, just spontaneously said, I'm a saying, I'm a really special daughter, Dad Mommy. Daddy told me so. Like, these things matter. Our words matter. How we encourage people, how we talk to people, how we treat each other, it matters. And it matters to God. God knows what we can fall into with our tongue. He knows how deadly it is. 
He gave this word to James to, to describe to us how devastating the tongue can be, but also to encourage us on how wonderful and blessing it can be. Wonderful blessing it can be. The mouth is said to be an open door to the soul. Jesus, in Matthew 15, um, says, Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Peter, quoting Psalms 34, wrote, He who would love life and see good days, let him restrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. A hateful heart will not produce helpful and healing words. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. It is my hope and prayer for me and every person who calls Jesus Lord that God will so fill our hearts and thereby control our tongues. That Proverbs 16.24 will truly be said of us. And it says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I found this, this poem, and I want to share it with you before we, we finish. And it says, A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may smite and kill. A brutal word will accomplish nil. But a gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may brighten a day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. And it was said of Jesus in John chapter 7, verse 46, No man ever spoke like this man. As we live in the power of his grace, may it be said of others, may this be said about us from others. May it be said that we don't speak like everybody else speaks. We don't fall into those routines at work where we're just ripping on our boss or ripping on other employees. Let it be in our houses where we are uplifting our wives and our marriages, our spouses. Let, it, let us be uplifting our kids. Let that be said of us instead of their words were poison. Please join me as we close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement today that we can use our tongues for good. We don't have to use them for evil. Lord, I pray that you be with each and every one of us this week as we're at work, as we're in our homes, no matter what we're doing. Lord, bless our tongue. Help us to tame it. Help us to run everything that we say through the lens of you. Let us reflect who you are, Jesus. Let us reflect who you are to those around us. Lord, give us the words to say when we don't have, have the words that we need to say. Lord, keep us from making those mistakes with our words. Lord, open up different ministry opportunities to each of us this week because we've used our words in positive, uplifting ways. Lord, we thank you this morning, and we use our tongues to praise and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Good job, sir. Alrighty, so a couple of takeaways from Pastor Nick's message is that how we talk is very powerful. It can direct and determine our daily lives. It measures our maturity, and it reveals what's in our heart, and it also either confirms our Christianity or it can contradict our Christianity. And so let us live our lives this week with this prayer, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight. Amen? Amen. All righty. Now, if you turn your eyes to the screen, here's what's coming up at NPC. To give that box to a child and do it in Jesus' name. Can you just imagine the hope and the thrill and the joy of when a kid opens up a lid like this and all these toys are in it? It's an incredible gift. And so I just want to say thank you. We need your help this year more than we've ever needed it because of the pandemic. It's just going to create a lot more opportunity. Thank you and God bless you. And remember, pray for the children of the world. There are few things more important and impactful than praying for the leadership of our country and God's blessings of peace, prosperity, and healing for our country. The practice of fasting is mentioned over 70 times in Scripture in both the Old and New Testament. Most of the time it is in conjuncture with prayer or meditation before major decisions are made or major events have happened. With the general election less than 40 days away, Pastor Rory is calling on everyone at New Promise Church starting tomorrow to spend these next 37 days in fasting and prayer for God's leading, guiding, blessings, protection, and forgiveness for our country. We as citizens have a great opportunity as we face great opposition. And as Christians, we have a great responsibility to stand in the gap and pray for our leaders and our country. So join Pastor Rory and Karen in fasting and in prayer for God's leading, guiding, and blessings of our country. In Jesus' name. Don't forget to register to vote. You can register by going to ohio.gov. The date to register is October 5th. Girls of all ages, join us on September 28th as her will be going on on Monday night at 7 p.m. in the chapel. Please plan to attend as we will be having small groups and fellowship with one another. New Promise Church, get ready as we come together for a night of worship on October 30th at 7 p.m. here at NPC. Girls of all ages, you are invited to our Girls' Night Inn on October 16th at 6.30 p.m. The night will consist of painting, soup, and cider. The cost is $10. Don't forget to sign up today in the lobby. Calling all basketball players, cheerleaders, and coaches. Upwards registration is going on now. You are able to sign up in the foyer or online at newpromisechurch.us. Join us next Sunday, October 4th, as Pastor Rory preaches on a message called Designed by God to Change. We are so thrilled here at New Promise Church to partner with Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse in Operation Christmas Child's Shoeboxes again. And last year I was told that we did something in the neighborhood of 70-some boxes, 73 boxes, something like that. And I told the person who organizes this, Roberta, I said, I want a goal this year of 150 shoeboxes. If we do 150 shoeboxes, that's a very doable goal. That's something I think we can do and that we should do to bless 150 children around the world. Now, these are going to be kids that you will probably never meet until you get to heaven when Jesus' face replaces your faith. 
and then you're going to see how big your investment in this small way paid off in such a huge way because Operation Christmas Child is an illustration of God's grace into these children's lives to let them know that there is a God who loves them, who sees them, who hears them, who cares about them, and through his church gives them a Christmas gift this year. So I thank you in advance for everybody taking home at least two boxes with you beginning this week and then next week we're going to have them all assembled they'll be up on full display and they'll look fantastic and so thank you for partnering with us as we partner with Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child and also beginning tomorrow we are calling the church to 37 days of fasting and prayer for our election that's coming up and, and bigger than just for the election we're praying for God's peace and his presence and his power to permeate our country from the Atlantic to the Pacific from the northern border to the southern border God says in 2nd Chronicles 714 that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their sins and seek my face that God will hear from heaven and he will heal their land and yesterday the kickoff at the Lincoln Memorial was just the very beginning of the kind of prayer that I believe the church is going to blanket this country with over these next 37 days up to the election so that no matter who gets elected that there will be peace in unity reigning in this country and that God's Holy Spirit will penetrate and permeate the lives of everyone not just the people who look like us, not just the people who sound like us, not just the people who vote like us, but that God's Holy Spirit will reach everyone in this country and that this country will be healed by God's loving, peaceful presence in their lives. And the reason that we're kicking it off tomorrow is because today we have our pig roast at 3 o'clock at our pavilion outside. And so my recommendation to you today is this. Today pig out at the pig roast and then tomorrow start your 37 days of fasting and prayer remember if you're fasting but you're not spending time praying all you're doing is dieting and God doesn't call us to diet although dieting is good sometimes but God calls us to fast and to pray and then let's see what God will do I heard somebody once say prayer not only touches God's heart but prayer also is that which moves mountains in Jesus name so fast and pray and let's see what God will do now as we wrap up our service this morning I remind you as always that we appreciate your offerings and your tithes here God loves and blesses a cheerful giver absolutely if we put God to the test he passes it every time in blessing a cheerful giver and there are three ways you can give here at New Promise Church you can give online at newpromisechurch.us for a one-time gift or you can go reoccurring giving just go to newpromisechurch.us hit on the giving tab and follow the easy instructions and please know that we use encrypted software so all giving online is safe and secure another way you can give here at New Promise Church is by putting your offerings in the offering boxes as you exit the auditorium this morning or you can mail in we have a couple people who mail in their offerings to New Promise Church we would simply advise you never send cash in the mail that's not safe and secure and always make the check payable to New Promise Church. Mark on the envelope, Bill Breath. That way we'll know that it's an offering and it needs to go directly to our elder of finance and he'll make sure it gets deposited into the general account. 
Now, thank you for joining us at home or on your mobile device, wherever you are. And we pray God blesses you and keeps you, continues to make his face shine upon you and is gracious to you. May he rise up his countenance on you and give you his peace this week in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. And for those of you that are still here, we're going to close in prayer in a second, but I never like to do this online, and I know we, we don't have a lot of